Welcome to Through the Water Cycle on Solving Water, a xylem podcast that explores issues and opportunities water utilities have at every stage of the water cycle, from source and supply to discharge. This episode is part of a live series recorded at WEFTEC 2019 in Chicago, where xylem experts got together to discuss critical challenges, areas of focus, and current trends in the water utilities industry. Enjoy the show! Welcome to WEFTEC 2019. We're in Chicago. We're actually recording live from the Beer Garden, sponsored by Xylem. I'm with my co-host, Amanda. Hello. My name is Griffin. We are both from Xylem. Today we have two special guests, uh, Kevin Fliss and Lucinda Uista. What we're doing with this podcast series is trying to hit all of the kind of the main pillars that Xylem is talking about in the booth here at, at WEFTEC. So, this one we're going to kind of hit on regu- regulatory compliance, but also water reuse. So thanks for being here as the experts in that field. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> Thank you for uh, inviting us to be here this afternoon. I, I think it's really interesting because we'll be talking a little bit about how water reuse really ties together the entire water cycle uh, and how we're using the beer that we're drinking right now at the beer garden to kind of promote that message, if you will. Exactly. So actually, Kevin, do you want to just, we'll start with both of you, but maybe just a real quick background, you know, what you do at Xylem? Yeah, Kevin Fliss. I've been with Xylem for seven years now. I'm our business development manager for the water utilities market. Essentially, that's a fancy way of saying my job is to really understand what trends are occurring in the water market space and what utility needs really are and what they're going to, you know, recognize value from. Cool. Okay, so um, I've also been with Xylem for over seven years, started my career in South Africa and um, I've been in the U.S. for about 18 months, so very much involved in water reuse there. Obviously we had a lot of water shortages, etc. that we had to look for solutions and now I'm supporting the central U.S. Um, so I am looking at water reuse applications and potential within the central portion of the U.S. How do you like living in the U.S.? It's very different, yeah. but it's nice. It's good. Yeah, cool. it's it's very... What do you miss most about South Africa? <laughs> the wildlife, oh, I would sure. say. I would yeah. say the wildlife. Wow. Are you based in Charlotte? I'm based in Charlotte, yeah. North Carolina. Not a lot yeah. of wildlife. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We, no there's, I mean, there's some, squirrels. but squirrels, squirrels. are everywhere. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, we, you guys don't have lions and stuff, roaming free. And, uh, no. Can you yeah. just give us one zebra for... For good measure, zebra or zebra? Really, it's zebra. <laughs> zebra. Huh. What do you guys say? Zebra. zebra. It's say a zebra. zebra. <laughs> I learned something new. <laughs> we haven't even got to the yeah, content yet. So I mean, I don't know if this is too broad, but you know, talking about regulatory compliance on a broad level, what does that mean for asylum as a pillar? Like, why is that even a pillar? Yeah, I mean, again, at the end of the day, it's about protecting the environment, protecting public health, right? Uh, Regulators have rules to make sure that utilities are actually promoting those things, right? So compliance in one aspect certainly means that you're complying with the rules, but the rules are there in place for a great end result, which is promoting public health, protecting the wildlife, making sure that we have recreation that we can use for our waterways. Uh, And at the end of the day, Xylem obviously wants to be a significant player by providing the technologies that get to the compliance, but also because, you know, this is a big fit 
within our social campaign with Watermark and other things. Yeah, an opportunity well. of a lifetime. Exactly. Kind of the broad messaging of the whole show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So, how does water reuse kind of play into regulatory compliance? Like, how do they connect to each other? So, yeah. Again, water reuse is really driven by a couple of different factors, right? So compliance as a whole can mean, again, anything, right? You can have a compliance by treating the water and not reusing it. But what's great about water reuse is, like I said earlier, it actually closes the cycle, right? So we're, we're taking the water that we're using it as a source and we can use it to cool power plants. We can use it to irrigate golf courses. We can use it to wash down equipment at our facilities. And then what's really great is when we can take it and actually treat it to drinking water standards and uh, use it for uh, public consumption effectively. Right. And the, the real driver there is that we have a lot of water scarce areas in our country. Yeah. And uh, if they don't use those water sources, they're not going to be able to keep up with the growing population, more urbanization, because people don't want to live out in the rural spaces anymore. And so they recognize that if they don't close that water loop cycle that I described earlier, they can't grow. And growth is key to any economy, any social environment. Do you, do you have a lot of customers that are looking at the full water reuse for potable consumption, or is that not really a thing in the U.S.? It's certainly gaining steam, and I'll let Lucinda speak to her experience in South Africa in a second, but it's certainly the reason we're here today in the beer garden is that there is that public perception barrier that we need to overcome. The technologies exist, they've been proven, they've been validated, but how do we get the public to buy in that this is the path forward so that we can grow the economy, grow our society. And fortunately, we found that getting people to buy in is really by tasting the water. And we've recognized that beer is actually a more effective tool than water itself. So we actually purify the water, work with local craft brewers, create this great tasting beer, and then go to the public, share it with them. And then fortunately, we've had a lot of good uh, media partners to help us promote this message as well, especially in television, that certainly inched us closer to being over that barrier. So the short answer to your question is, yes, there are communities that are doing this tomorrow. I'm actually presenting with the city of Rio Rancho in New Mexico tomorrow on this very topic. But we even see communities on the East Coast now. We're doing a project with Hampton Roads Sanitation District in Virginia, and they're doing this exact same, closing the the, the loop with potable reuse. uh, you know, Lucinda's got a lot of experience in South Africa as well. Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, I lived um, in Cape Town, uh, what, just uh, 18 months ago, and I was during that period where they had that day zero looming towards that, and, um, you know, I learned a lot about the conservation, you know, procedures that can be put in place, um, a lot of um, the need for reuse, actually, because right. when you get to a situation where you actually potentially won't have any water available in your tap, it does all of a sudden get people to break down the barriers and like, okay, where can we find alternative water sources? Right. So I think um, something like this is definitely great to get people talking. I, f- I personally think that a big thing about people not wanting to reuse or use reuse water is because they don't understand it. So uh, yeah, it's maybe up to us as the specialists to make it the message a little bit more clearer as to what is currently happening in your water cycle and how 
we just actually speed up the process by implementing technology for a process that actually occurs in nature already. Right. So I think it's it's a it's a great resource using reuse for different applications and I've seen in in the US or different places that it's not only drought countries or states that have got issues with um, with droughts. There's actually the opposite. So some states where they have got too much water, like floods, where do you take that water? What do you do with that water? Can you treat it? Can you utilize it for something else? Offset your potable usage so that you don't have to expand facilities so they actually end up saving money. So there's actually a lot of things that you can apply the reuse to. It's really interesting. There was a great example of, of that last week. Yep. Lucinda and I were working with the city of Waconia in Minnesota. Minnesota, I grew up there, land of 10,000 lakes, abundance of water sources, right? But they're reusing their water because they need to reduce their potable demand. It's putting a stress on their operating costs of their system. And they recognize that they can collect the storm water, that mm -hmm. when it rains, they collect it into a pond effectively. They treat it and then they irrigate all their public parks and fields with it. And it's, I think they showcase it like dropped their cost by 25%. It's wow. pretty significant. Wow. It's very interesting all the different ways that it can be affected. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, even just thinking about it from a drinking standard, to me that just seems like it's a perception thing. Like you totally just have to get people thing. over the hump that it's just as clean as anything else. Yeah. And it's going to take time, right? But yeah. this is why you have these tools because we want to invite the children so they're educated when they become adults. Mm -hmm. That fear factor doesn't exist anymore. Right. Well, and we're already seeing there's that. just not going to be a choice after yeah, a while, exactly. right? I mean, maybe not in the next couple of generations, but yeah. eventually it's just going to be commonplace because exactly. it has mm -hmm. to be. And so what are some of the technologies, whether that's treatment technologies or what have you, that go into water reuse? So um, on the Wetico side, what we use very common for reuse, if you look at non-potable reuse applications, so that would be like for irrigation or stormwater treatment, you can use um, technology like UV for disinfection. You can also, for more advanced like potable applications, indirect potable reuse, you could look at also using UV combine it with UV AOP, Advanced Oxidation Technologies. Additional to that, when you start looking at direct potable reuse, you can also add ozone to that, so it's a highly effective oxidant, combined with AOP technologies and UV. So that's really the site dependent and project dependent on what they want to achieve, but all three of those technologies I've seen in all the reuse projects okay. that we've worked on. Certainly, and the treatment technologies are critically vital to delivering the compliance that Griffin was asking about earlier. The, the other thing that I think is masked a little bit is that Xylem provides a lot of the instrumentation, a lot of the controls, a lot of the pumping equipment that gets it from process to process to process. That's also vitally critical as well. I mean, treatment is the star, right? But instrumentation, data, controls, pumping, those are all critically important as well. Some of the case studies that I've read, sounds like you guys do a lot of pilot. Do you do pilot work before? And, it, and I feel like that's really customized to the customer, right? So that you're really trying to understand what their specific needs are. And by piloting, you're able to, like, confirm that or... So from my experience, what I've seen is the piloting is very much every state wants to kind of prove the concept for themselves sure. and to the regulatories, they want to like have proof of concept. So even though it has been rolled out in other states, what I've seen is like a lot of them want to do it within their own state, taste their own water, 
etc. So that was in in my central part. But you've got more experience on the. I, I totally agree, Lucinda. I, look, no two water streams are the same, and the utilities recognize that, so they want to pilot test it to validate the performance that we all anticipate, right? But on top of that, going back to the educational piece, right, the the public perception pieces, we find that. Yes, the initial objective is generally, let's validate this performance, let's make sure it works, but then they get the equipment on site and then they use it as like a demonstration tool, right? How do we invite the public in to actually see the treatment technologies for themselves? There's a great example of it right next to our booth here, you have the Pure Water Wagon that was generated by Water Environment Federation, Clean Water Services, which is a utility in Portland, and Xylem is a critical partner as well. You'll see our UV disinfection system in there that Lucinda just mentioned, Oetico, UV spectron reactor, absolutely. The, the the key, I think, takeaway there is that Xylem, I think we're doing a great job of promoting the success that water reuse can really de- deliver to uh, all of society, but you need good partners. And it's about collaborating so that you can create that early adoption of these innovations as well. And we've been very fortunate that we have some really, really strong utility partners and agencies as well. Are a lot of utilities using it as a teaching tool like you mentioned or is that kind of in the early stages so what i've seen so far is like they would use the piloting to test their own process treatment train then they typically scale it up and build like a small pilot well what would what would you call like a demo facility exactly like one ngd kind of size and they would run that to collect data over a few years but also then use that period to invite people from the public in. It's a good idea. Regulatories, and they can actually see for themselves, you know, what yeah. is happening in the process. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we visited a great site um, in San Diego about a week ago, and um, it's wonderful. You can actually walk through it, see every treatment process, and at the end, you've got like a tap, clean water that you can drink straight from at the end of the process. So I thought that was very, very nice. Well, do people, are people pretty open to it, or are they kind of skittish? Well, we all drank it. <laughs> Well, yeah, but you're, but yeah. you're not the general public. Yeah. So we, we did a study, or I shouldn't say we did a study, in collaboration with Hillsborough County, we did a study and we invited about 100 people, so decent sample size. We informed them what we were doing, what the treatment processes were, and that this is pure potable water that you can drink right now. And we handed 100 people glasses. I would say maybe 10 of them initially were off-put, so 90% acceptance right out of the gate, which I thought was pretty good, right? Yeah. So they took a little bit more encouraging. We got eight of those 10 to flop, but at the end of the day, we still only had 98% acceptance. And, and, and so there's still room to improve. We've come a long way, but at the end of the day, you need everybody on the same boat if you're really going to go down this path. Want to hear more about how we solve water? Check out the Bell & Gossip podcast in the Solving Water feed. Host Kyle Del Piano of Xylem talks with industry thought leaders about today's issues in commercial building systems, including DOE regulations, HVAC efficiency, hydronic systems, plumbing, education, and more. Stream episodes of the Bell & Gossip podcast wherever you listen to Solving Water. When it comes to water reuse, are you... Are you finding that it's really driven by regulatory compliance or is it driven more because of 
like you said, scarcity issues or overabundance or cost savings or... I think scarcity and cost savings are going to be the two biggest drivers. Uh, compliance is going to be a piece of it. And certainly the US EPA helped by releasing their water reuse action plan two weeks ago in San Diego. So it now has federal support. But I don't think in my lifetime we're going to see federal regulations on reuse. I think that's still going to belong to the states. And, and in that atmosphere, you're going to need the other drivers that we mentioned yeah. to push it forward. It seems to me that scarcity would be the biggest thing, just the, the need. It's Absolutely. the need. So with the need, as this gets to be more and more urgent, have you seen technology kind of, is technology ahead of the need? Where is the, the treatment tech? Have you seen a lot of advancements recently? So the technology, fortunately, has always, I should say always exists, has existed for at least the last decade. Sure. The challenge has been finding the right applications and actually demonstrating, validating the performance. We've achieved all that now. But as you move further down the pipe, right, you always find more blockages, right? So we're in a scenario now where we have all this information, but now we're fine tuning our process and realizing, okay, there's something over here that we haven't realized that we need to account for now. And so the technology exists my gut is that it's really going to be about instrumentation and control, less about the treatment technologies moving forward. How do we optimize these processes? How do we make it cost less so that there isn't any cost burden? And again, with more data means we can be more proactive and less reactive, especially when public health is on the line. That's a big deal. So We were just talking to Daniel Barton with monitoring and controls, and it's kind of is talking about predictive technology, like knowing something's going to happen before it happens. Precisely. And, and again, predictive analytics are going to be the wave of the future, um, not just in water reuse and the water industry as a whole, mm-hmm. but water reuse is going to be, I think, on the leading edge of that because of the public health aspect. You know, the buck stops there. It's got to work. So are you finding like on the, the West Coast seems to be like a hotbed for this and I feel like they're doing it themselves it's not a regulatory thing at least driven by it's more like cropping up in the cities is that a is that just because they're trying to like be the most advanced in this capacity like la has had a huge scarcity issue haven't they yeah so yeah. The, the 2015 drought in california yeah. I think changed a lot of perceptions. In fact, Xylem did a survey pre-2015, post-2015 of just the general population, not utilities. You know, what is your thought process on recycled water effectively? And the uh, number of adopters of recycled water increased by 20 points before and after the drought, right? So when there's a need, people buy into it. And I, right to your point, Griff. Right. On top of that, I I do genuinely feel like, uh, fortunately, California is now a healthy economy again. Ten years ago, that wasn't the case, right? Yeah. Uh, Which helps. And a lot of these utilities um, just don't want to be in that position that they were in in 2015 again. Mm -hmm. And so they're being much more proactive, for lack of a better term, progressive. And because of that, it's almost like they're competing against each other 
who can be the first, right? Yeah. Which is great. It actually helps move the entire industry forward. Right. Competition. Because it's not just in water. I feel like there's, you know, no more plastic bags, no more straws, no more, you know, all sorts of, like, environmental pushes, I feel like, Absolutely. are coming out of there first. Yeah. But, like, one thing I just want to add, like, what I've seen, and in my opinion, like, making water reuse successful it's also going to be very much de, uh, dependent on the utilities itself and how much they engage the public, their customers. So we can supply equipment, we can work with engineers, we talk the same language, but I think successful cities are the ones that actually engage the communities. And, you know, uh, we in South Africa, what they did is, um, you know, it's more like diversification of your water sources. So actually showing, and you do it in the U.S. too, it's just people are not aware of it. <laughs> It's um, that, you know, there's different ways of utilizing and using water, you know, like reuse is one aspect, uh, you get different, but you can also like conserve water, like be using it more sparingly. You can use reuse water to recharge groundwater for those people that are not quite ready to have direct potable reuse water. You can, you know, this, this is so many different ways that you can actually just diversify your water sources and reuse is actually just one part of that, one part of a very big cycle and I think a city that comes to mind is El Paso in Texas and um, they've been doing it for a long time and I think that they are one of the guys that I've seen that are really doing a great job in educating involving the community and as they go each step you know like how can we use water wisely um, how can we just yeah be more clever on how we apply our resources how do they engage the public? Do they do like open houses or like is it materials like signage or something? I think all of the above all that the you, above. you okay. mentioned. Um, what I've seen that they have had some pamphlets, but I do know that they have got like these. I've heard of some of these workshops that they have over weekends that they partnered with like Carolo, the engineer, and uh, they invited the people to see, well, this is what we are planning for the next phase. You know, they have like these small little models that they built. And then they can come and have a look and see, okay, that's nice. And they have, can answer questions. So, yeah, they engage them in, in that way. So the engineer, everyone's going to play a role. It's not just going to be the equipment suppliers or engineers, but the utilities to their customers, I think, will be crucial. Yeah, that's a good point. Diversification is a good word for it, I feel like. Yeah. Because what's interesting to me, too, is that how many people even know where the water comes from exactly. that comes out of their tap. So now that they have some idea of this reuse thing and it's like oh this seems a little weird I don't know about that but they really don't even know probably where it comes from I, yeah generally I think, anyway I think so, we should just start with 101 water cycle yeah. discussions you know like yeah. people don't know right. and if you address just that my friends that I've explained to what actually happens with your wastewater where it goes and how it actually becomes drinking water eventually when they <laughs> understood that they're like Oh, so we've actually been doing it all this time, you know, yeah. like yeah. there's only so yes. much water available. Right. So it has to recycle, whether it's in a natural process or if you use technologies to mimic that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and, uh, the phrase that the industry and Xylem buys into as well is that measure the water by its quality, not its history. Yeah. And so that's one of the biggest takeaways we try to, to give people when we engage with them. Yeah, I have to just say that it was a South African that coined that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to put my South African stamp on that one. <laughs> Dr. Van Fieren or someone, but yeah. So. Good shout out. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to him. 
Uh, so that was uh, full circle. Kind of <laughs> like the water. So like, how is the water situation in South Africa? Forgive my. Ignorance. No, no, that's fine. They managed to avoid day zero. Um, so really because the, the main reason that they could divert that was because the community got engaged once again the utilities were very transparent saying we've got a problem you guys have got to use this amount of water if we want to see it through until the next rain season so we were allocated 13.13 gallons of water per person per day oh my gosh so i would like to challenge like some it's a so we had to do that for a few months um, so that meant you could like take a single shower every day for two minutes only um, i was I gonna mean, ask yeah so what can you do at 13 gallons <laughs> you can shower. you can flush once a day flush once wash, two minute shower like dishes did you wash dishes you can if you have a dishwasher like every third day you would pack it up okay wash that yeah just don't do as much washing like, yeah. once once a week roughly can do that Think of all the things you use water for right? it's it's crazy and yeah. and again not to interrupt but no, it's, I, it's it's just really impressive the conservation techniques that worked in south africa mm-hmm. and i'm i'm not saying that we can't duplicate those again but hopefully we don't ever have to get to that yeah. point again yeah. i think that's learning. the key takeaway well learning. that's the interesting thing is it came to that near day zero to kind of force that change sometimes yeah, that's what it takes people didn't realize the you know everyone thinks someone else is going to do it right so it's like i'm not going to save water because someone else will save water until you realize it's up to you because every bit that you use is impacting everyone else so they actually had on in the morning when we drove to work they had these big billboards up and they would report every single day how much water we've got left before we hit day zero oh so you gosh. can see like you've got 90 days left 60 days That's left so scary. and then you have got your dam levels going up and down uh, you know like when it comes rain or usages so they were very transparent and I think that was key to not try to hide it but rather right. engage people and yeah. like okay so this is the situation and then luckily it did rain we did have enough water but the great thing is they didn't stop there now so they are continuing to build on that making right. sure that it doesn't happen again mm-hmm. and uh, we actually have a long history of reviews in South Africa I mean this was just like one of those unforeseen droughts. Like I think we're seeing more and more of those where yeah. it's unpredictable. Right. So, uh, so yeah. interesting because we had Crystal and Assad here earlier today, uh-huh. and they were talking about how the extreme events on the other side of things, hundred-year floods, thousand-year exactly. floods, five-hundred-year floods, whatever. And so now we're talking about drought. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah. No, we're that, getting everything. That, that drought was. Quite, quite bad but yeah and also they're just continuing to build their reuse facilities for the future mm-hmm. utilizing more like groundwater but recharging it because people don't think about that aspect of utilizing groundwater but how does it refill mm-hmm. you know like if there's not enough rainfall reuse can be a very great resource for that right. so you have a buffer it goes through it has time in the environment and then you still you know replenish your water sources mm-hmm. So. Yeah, the idea that it's more than just drinking water, too, I think, is, even for me, that's the first thing I think about with water reuse, but it's it impacts everything. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I love your comment, Amanda, about, you know, we're on polar spectrums, effectively, of, you know, water challenges. But I think, you know, my takeaway from that is that solving water can take many different facets, right? And there isn't one solution for everything um you really have to consider you know what are the challenges that specific geography 
city, whatever it may be, is facing, come up with a custom solution. I, again, ideally find excellent partners and innovate and deliver. And fortunately, again, I'm blessed to work at Xylem because I get to do this every day and I absolutely love it. So comes through, you can tell. <laughs> Both of you, like it's like a great passion, I can tell. It's yeah. awesome. It's, it's nice to be able to do something that's worthy of a cause, you know, like you uh -huh. can really make a difference in the world. For sure. By yeah. creating more water. Basically, yeah. I mean, who isn't proud of Watermark? I mean, you watch those yeah. videos and it's like that's why I get up in the morning. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's I'm very passionate about helping, making a difference in the communities. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, we like to end every show trying this reuse beer. Oh, awesome! So, does everyone have one? Not yeah. really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cheers. And we Cheers. want we want your tasting notes too. Yeah. So this was a pilsner, I think. A Czech pilsner. What was this? A Czech pilsner. A Czech pilsner. Well, it tastes great. I mean, it tastes better than normal beer. I can taste Agreed. the high quality water in that. Because there's a little more love in this. Yeah, it's there's a, a message in this. Yeah. Yeah, my takeaway is that it's crisp, it's refreshing, and uh, hey, I know that because Xylem Technology touched it, that it's going to be healthy for me to drink. So. I think that's a great way to end. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys for being here. Thank you so much here. for being here. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for talking Thank you. to us.